But one of the most humbling things anyone can do is to serve someone else. I know there's a lot of different humbling things we could do, but I think one of the most humbling we can do is to serve someone else. When we serve someone else, you put their desires before your own, right? Uh, imagine if it didn't quite work that way. Imagine you went to a restaurant and you put in an order with the waiter, and, and when your food came, it was something completely different, nowhere close to what you ordered. And when you, you asked, well, what's up with this meal? I, I ordered this. And they said, oh, no, I, I brought you what I wanted you to eat. Instead of serving you, they served themselves and said, well, I, this is what you'll have, and just brought you their own choice. Or imagine you went to a help desk at a, at a college campus or, or a corporate building. You're trying to find where to go. And you ask for instructions, say, here's my destination, how do I get there? And, and they give you a list of directions, and you start going, and all of a sudden you realize this, this, this cannot be the right way. And so you go back to the, the person who gave you those directions, and you say, um, is this right? I'm trying to get here. They say, oh, no, no, I, I gave you directions to my house to go take a nap, because that's what I want to do right now. And so I just, you know, I'm, I'm just serving myself and uh, giving out where I want to be instead of where I want you, to, where you want to be. But it's, it's when we serve, we're really putting someone else's desire, someone else's goals before our own. It's a very humbling act. I also think it's one of the most caring things we can do for someone else. When you serve someone, your focus is on their needs and not your own. It's not very serving to pause your neighbor and let them know, hey, by the way, I've cut my yard today and yours is still long and shaggy. I mean, you can let them know if you really want to, but it's not, there's not a heart of service in there. You know, if, imagine someone in your home, maybe your spouse or maybe a parent or maybe uh, one of your kids or a family, whoever, is, you know, whoever you live with. Imagine someone just shouted from the other room, hey, I made dinner. You know, awesome. And so, you, you know, you get your hands washed, you get ready. And, and by the time you get there, you, you're looking for some food to join with them in their meal. And you say, well, where's the food? And they say, well, I, I'm eating it. I, I made myself dinner. You know, you can say it probably wouldn't go over too well in the home, because uh, when we serve someone else, we're, we're our focus is on their needs and not their own. It's one of the most caring things we can do. To serve someone is one of the most loving things we can do. When we serve someone else, our concern is for their well-being over our own, right? We're putting them before us. We're, we're saying, I want to make sure your needs are met. Imagine you had a, a new neighbor move in. You saw him moving in, and you thought, this is a perfect opportunity. And so you make your way over, and your whole goal in going over to say hi is so you can scope out the tools in their garage to see what you can borrow, when, when that, right? No, that's not what we're doing. If, if we truly want to serve them, if you're truly loving them, you go and you say, you know, hey, do you have everything you need? You know, let, let me get dinner. Let me get some pizza for you guys tonight. I, I know the hassles of moving. I just want to care for you and help make sure you're getting acclimated to the community. You know, if you have any questions, let us know. You know, you, you can really serve them because you're putting their needs before your own. You're making sure that they're cared for. See, to serve is, is, a, is a true selflessness over selfishness. Where we're thinking of ourselves less and others more. And, and stories of selfless acts are the kinds of stories that we just love to hear, right? I mean, when you hear those stories, they're inspirational. Sometimes there's difficult components to hear. There's hard truths because we know that uh, to be selfless is an act of sacrifice. You think of the story of the soldier who put their life before someone else's. Maybe it cost them their life. Maybe it cost them limbs. You see this picture of sacrifice and it inspires us to want to serve more ourselves. 
Think about the parent who went without because they gave all they had to their kid. Maybe finances were tight or they're in a difficult situation when there wasn't quite enough for everyone. This parent just gave everything to make sure their kids had all that they needed. Those are inspirational, awesome stories. More um, what we see every Sunday. Think about the volunteer who served. There are people here earlier setting up this room and, and making sure things were set and clean so that we could have uh, this awesome experience together corporately as we pursue Jesus. There's people right now who are missing out on what's happening here because they're serving us by caring for our kids. There'll be people afterwards who are building trees and, and, and doing all kinds of other things um, to get ready for future events. And, and there's all these different ways that people sacrifice their time and their energy to serve. Imagine you can recall stories from your own life. Where, where someone sacrificed for you on, on your behalf. I think about all the projects I've done in, in different places I've lived. Uh, if anyone's tried to paint their own place, I imagine you probably didn't try to do it yourself. You, you called certain friends who maybe had some painting experience. It's not like when you have to move, all of a sudden you're, you get real close to all your friends who have pickup trucks. But you think about those people who said yes to that, that, that call. Hey, will you come help me with this project? I can't do it myself. And they sacrificed their Saturdays. And let's be honest, Saturdays ha- have become sacred. And those, those days where it's like, man, that, that's where I can get all the stuff done that I, I need to get done. Uh, that, that either didn't get done during the week or also I need to get done for the week ahead. And so to give up those times is, is a real sacrifice. I think of there's a family uh, when I was in college uh, who was getting a new car. And, and they weren't sure what they were going to do with their old one. And they ended up gifting it to me. And that was such a blessing as they just sacrificed it. There, there's still uh, some value in that car. Instead of uh, uh, trying to squeeze every bit they could get out of it, they, they were generous and, and gifted that to me, a, a young college student, eating peanut butter and jellies every day kind of thing. And uh, partly I like peanut butter and jelly, but, um, you know, you also know. And it was just a, a very uh, helpful, sacrificial act. I think it was one, one story. We were talking about finances in, in our home, and it wasn't even like a, a difficult conversation. We were just, it was a very practical thing. We had to line up, you know, some funds for something. And I, I, I still remember what it was actually about, but I just remember it was a very kind of matter of fact. To the point, it was similar to, do we have cash on hand for the pizza guy when he shows up? I mean, we, we have the funds. We don't make sure we have the cash. And the next thing I know, my, my daughter is at my side. She'd gone upstairs and raided her piggy bank and, and came down with cash because she wanted to give. She, she just thought there was a financial need and wanted to give towards that. And I'm like, what a beautiful picture. These are inspirational stories. See, I, I think the average person loves this picture of service. And honestly, as much as we all love to be the recipients of that, I think your average person can also think about times in which they served others and say, yeah, that was good. I, I enjoyed that as well. Whether it's a pattern of your life or not is another conversation, is another story. But I think it's all something that we, we can long for on, on both sides. It's all something that we desire. It's all something that we all see as good. See, the one who serves is often seen as the hero in the stories of our lives. We, we, lift them, uh, we lift up and praise those who lift up others. I would argue that serving others is a sign of one who is truly living their life. One who is truly alive is one who is serving others. I've been doing some spring yard work, trying to get the, the you know, trying to take a next step in, in, in our landscaping plans, putting in some new fruit trees and, and clearing out some other stuff. And uh, one of the things I've had to do is look for signs of life. 
So we have some magnolias that we planted last fall, and uh, they're looking a little sparse, you know, not many leaves on the branches. Uh, I have an, a, a special gift with landscaping. Uh, if you need things that to be planted that will thrive and, and just fill out and look amazing the year in the years after, don't call me. Uh, if you have things that you want dead, killed, or just removed, uh, that's my gift. Um, I just have a knack for killing things, uh, especially when I'm not trying to. Uh, I've, I've killed many a shrub. And so I was concerned that I, uh, my gift had, had played itself out once again. But one of the signs of life I could see is even though it didn't have many leaves, it, it, it blossomed. It had flowers that were growing. Okay, there's a sign of life that there's still growth there. There's still things happening. There's a, a grapevine that I had, I had cut back last season, and uh, I, I probably got a little too aggressive. I was trying to clear an area that had been overgrown, and, and so I was starting to question, did I cut too much back? Is this thing still alive? And uh, there's kind of two of them, and the first one I, I went to uh, just gently move it to kind of uh, you know, kind of clear it out away from other things, and it almost cracked in half. And I'm like, okay, this clearly is not alive. Uh, but the other one, you kind of you cut back the bark a little bit. You're looking for moisture. You're looking for any green in there, any, any signs of life. And so this has been kind of something that I've been doing uh, in my, my garden. And these various signs reveal that there's life in these plants. And so the question is, what are the signs that we are truly living? What, what, what are the signs of life in, in the lives of those who, who are, are fully alive? living their lives to the fullest. And, and, and from our perspective here at Meadowland, we, we believe that that's found in Jesus. We believe that Jesus uh, is the Son of God and, and that true life is found in Him. And that's one of the things we've been talking about here this morning. And I believe one of those signs of life is someone who serves others. See, the beautiful thing about serving is serving, uh, think of it as the fruit from the life of one that can help provide life for another. Serving is the fruit that comes from the, the, the life of one that can help provide life for another. Bearing fruit is truly a sign of life. You think about it. Just like how a fruit tree reveals that it's healthy when it bears fruit, serving reveals that you are, are healthy in your own walk. And, and that's really the, the heart of this current series, this uh, Signs of Life, is we want to uh, grow in our spiritual health. We want our lives to be ones that are flowing with milk and honey. This is, is a term that's used in reference uh, to Israel at one point in their history as God lead them to the promised land. I keep saying, I want to lead you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And what we've been talking about here throughout this series is on one hand you could say, okay, he wants to lead his people to a land that is producing uh, some kind of fruit. You know, uh, the, as the bees uh, have their honeycombs, you get honey from that. And as, um, you know, you, you have the flocks of, of uh, cows or goats, you, you, they can produce milk, but it actually goes a step further. If you have a land that has honey and milk, you have a land that's bearing fruit. If you have a land that's flowing with those things, not only does it reveal that you have health in the, in the fruit-bearing aspects of the land, but the land in general must be healthy to be able to sustain and support all that. And so our heart here is that we would be uh, people who are pursuing God who are just flowing with milk and honey, that there just be uh, an abundance of fruit that is being produced in our lives. And so what does that look like? What does it look like uh, to, to be spiritually healthy, to have a life that's trusting in Jesus? Well, a couple different ways that we've identified this, and, and by no sense is this an exhaustive list, but we think we've uh, covered some major milestones here. Last week we talked about the call to share our experience with others. If we are healthy, if we are, are, are um, living a vibrant life in Jesus, we're going to share our experience with Jesus with others. Another way we've phrased this before is that found people find people. 
We saw the story of Andrew and the story of Philip, where when they had an interaction with Jesus, what does Andrew do? He goes and gets his brother Simon, and he shares this experience. He says, hey, we, we found the one we've been waiting for. And, 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 and Philip does the same thing with Nathaniel, his friend. He has this experience with Jesus. He says, hey, i got to share this with you. I, you need to know. And, and this kind of becomes a pattern for both of these men. We see Andrew's the one who brings this boy with his sack lunch when they're trying to feed 5,000. And, and all of a sudden, this boy's like, I, I got a sack lunch. Andrew says, let's bring it to Jesus. I'm not sure uh, what we can do with it, but maybe he can do something. And Jesus blesses it and feeds 5,000 plus. Today, we're going to look specifically at actively engaging in the mission of God. A sign of life is one who is engaging in the mission of God. Another way we've said it here at Meadowland is that saved people serve. Those who are trusted in Jesus Serve. How are we engaging in the work of God? In the coming weeks, the next three weeks, we'll be looking at uh, giving generously to God and others as there is need. God's people give. We're going to be looking at uh, a sign of health is one who chooses to be in community. Chooses to be in community because truly we can't do life alone. And then the last we're going to close out looking at a sign of life is one who is following Jesus. And on one hand, that can be very broad, but specifically we want to look at that Jesus was one who, who made disciples that would make disciples that would make disciples. And so in our lives, are we uh, living that kind of life where we're pouring into others, we're investing into the lives of others in the capacity that we're able to, in a way that would lift them up and grow them up as followers of Jesus, that they would then be able to repeat that for someone else as well so we're casting that vision today if you got your bibles with you go ahead and open up to john chapter one john chapter one is we're going to be here this morning we're actually going to start in a verse we looked at a little bit last week uh, verse 20 uh, if you want to go digital and turn on a bible app uh, we always recommend you is a great one or the meadowland app has a bible aspect to it as well uh, there's, there's free wi-fi in, in the building if you need to download either of those but john chapter one is we're going to be starting here this morning and we already have seen that Andrew and, and Philip are ones who, who bring uh, j- others to Jesus. That's kind of their MO. That's, that's the way that they go about their lives. And in, in this story, that there's some Greeks who are requesting a presence of Jesus. And, and so uh, they find F- uh, Philip and he finds Andrew and they, and they bring them to Jesus. Verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So here's some Greeks who want to see Jesus, and they're, and they're seeking him out. And, and the text, if we keep reading, jumps straight to Jesus replying to these Greeks. And, hey, here's how he's going to answer them. You may say, well, hang on a sec. I don't know if did they even get to Jesus. Uh, are they asking a question? What's the question that's being asked here? And, and the fact that it jumps straight to Jesus' reply we can infer that some of those things took place. We can infer that they were, they were able to meet and have a conversation with Jesus, and, and they probably had some questions for him. Well, what might some of those questions be? Well, well, this story takes place shortly after Jesus had entered into Jerusalem. It's referred to as his triumphal entry, where he comes in humbly as a humble king riding in on a, on a donkey. And, and the people there are seeing this, and and. and They're praising Jesus as king. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that term Hosanna means save us, save us. They were looking to him as their king and celebrating him and praising him. And there would have been this commotion. This would have been a big event. And and so it's safe to assume that if they weren't at least there to witness it themselves, they had at least heard about this entry. 
And if not that, they've at least heard about Jesus and they're, 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 they're motivated to come and, and, and meet with him. So perhaps some of the questions have to do with, hey, Jesus, what just happened? <laughs> what, what was with the whole riding in on the donkey thing and, and people were praising you and calling you king? Maybe they had some questions about who, who are you and, and if, if, if depending on who you are, what's that mean for me? Well, Jesus gives a, a reply. We don't know the question specifically, but we see his reply. And what's interesting is in reading his reply, not only do we learn something about who Jesus is, but he also shares a little bit about who he calls us to be. In the context of John 12, it's, it would be who the Greeks are called to be and who his disciples are called to be, but this uh, would apply to us as well, for those who are seeking, how, how do we live a healthy life in Christ? So while we don't know the specific question, we know they came to see Jesus, and here's an answer in verse 23. And Jesus, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Maybe, maybe they asked him a question like, hey, wh what are your plans? You, you just came into town. You have this great big entry. What's next? You ever had that experience where something amazing happens and, and just something great is going on? It's a milestone. And, and, hey, what's next? Maybe you've been attending some graduations or you have some coming up this time of year. A common question you'd ask is, hey, what's next? You, you just accomplished this, this great thing. What, what do you see coming up? Hey, so this, this great thing just took place in their life. Well, what's next? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be lifted up. This is where he begins, this reference of the Son of Man. Well, it's the, the days before he goes to the cross. And actually, interestingly enough, the Son of Man w w was, one of a, was a common uh, phrase that Jesus used in reference to himself. You see Son of Man, you see Son of God is another term uh, that was used. And, and on one hand, this phrase, Son of Man, uh, helped, he, he's tying into his humanity, tying into the fact that he came both fully uh, as God and fully as man. He experienced what it was like to be man. He set aside, um, uh, he, he could have called down at any point, you know, a host of angels to come to his defense when he was on the cross, and yet he, he set that power aside. He laid it down, didn't pick it back up, and instead uh, came fully, again, still fully God, but also lived fully as a man. And so this phrase, son of man, ties into that aspect of him. But we also see in Daniel 7, there's this prophecy where Daniel 7 is talking about one will come who is like a son of man. And, and his kingdom that will be established will have no end. It will continue on forever. And this will be the king. And so in referring to himself as son of man, I think he's really trying to make this connection as well to the, you know, the, the one who will have this kingdom that will never end. And so he say, hey, that, that, that's me, I'm, I'm the one that you've been waiting for, who is like a son of man. And this glorified term, is, it's, it's foreshadowing, it's referring to his death and resurrection, that he would be lifted up, both lifted up on the cross as he laid down his life uh, as a payment for our, our mistakes, for our sins, and also as he's li lifted up, risen from the gra grave, overcoming death. He continues in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, a question that would be a simple question, uh, I think, decades ago that, that uh, may be less and less known these days is where does our fruit come from? I think a common answer might be the grocery store. And yes, there's truth to that. 
that's for most people where, where the fruit comes from. But let, let's go back even further. Where, where does it come from? How do we even have it? How do grocery stores get it? Where, where do their suppliers get it? And where, where do the orchards get it? And we keep going back, and eventually we see the beginning of that journey where we get land with fruit in our hands is the death of a seed. What began as a death of a seed brings about this fruit that brings life. And that's, that's the imagery that Jesus is tying into because he knows he's about to lay down his life. He's about to allow his life to be taken on the cross. So here's Jesus who's come as fully God and fully man. Did not deserve death. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He had followed the will of God. He was able to do that because he was God. And yet he laid down his life. He gave up his life as a sacrifice so that when he died and was buried for the seed is planted and dies that he would then bring fruit to a world that, that was without hope apart from him. And then he was lifted up as he overcame death, as he rose from the grave, made a way for us to be in relationship with God, made a way for us to, to connect in back to a place where we can uh, be with God in a place of perfection. See, apart from Jesus, we stand opposed God in, in our brokenness. Whether in small ways or large ways, we've all fallen short in some way. I don't think it takes much convincing for us to acknowledge that, that, yeah, we, we've fallen short in some way or another. We, we, we've gone against God's heart. And that, the Bible calls that sin, and that separates us from him. And knowing this, God provided a way that if we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that he would take our place. He would pay the price. His blood would be shed. He would die in our place, and we would receive life in him. Jesus foretelling the gospel here. He's the seed that is going to go into the earth and die, but then will bear much fruit that there's life found in Jesus. And I, I just love this truth that when we trust in Jesus, not only does he pay the price for our unrighteousness, but he imparts onto us his righteousness. He imparts onto us his perfection so that when we stand before the Father, we are perfected in Jesus. Because the fruit of the act of Jesus, the fruit of the sacrifice of Jesus, brings life for those who would trust in him. And so he's directing them, whatever their question was, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm the one you've been waiting for. And, and I'm going to make a sacrifice. I, I'm going to allow my body to be killed. I'm going I'm to allow my life to be taken. But then I will be lifted up again. I will be glorified and bring life and bear fruit. And he continues in verse 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so as he continues to explain what's going to happen and, and, and this amazing act of service that he is going to show, he also then says, okay, so now if you want to follow me, if you want to serve me, you will follow me. If you want to serve me, you'll be about what I'm about. Here, here's my mission, and, and if if you want to serve me, you, you'll be about that mission as well. A couple thoughts here as we close. First one is this. When we surrender our daily lives to Jesus, it bears eternal fruit through Jesus. 
When we surrender our daily lives to Jesus, it bears eternal fruit through Jesus. See, the beauty of the gospel is it's not this one and done uh, um, kind of thing. It's a one and, and a beginning into a new way of living. So is there a one and done in the sense of there's a completeness to it? Yes. So we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are forgiven. And it begins a relationship w- w- with God through Jesus to where our eternity is secure in him. But as we continue to live in this life, there's this ongoing expression of that gospel that plays out in our daily lives. There's an ongoing act of, of having our lives be transformed to be more like Jesus. And where we fall short, he paid the price for our mistakes. He paid the price for our sins, for our disobedience. And we can have freedom in that to continue to live a life that is shaped towards him and his direction. So as we surrender our lives daily, as we die to ourselves, uh, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You see, so if we're willing to surrender our life, uh, to in essence hate our life here, for, uh, we, we trade it for an eternal life with Jesus. See, this is not only a, this one-time moment of trusting in Jesus, but the daily practice as well of living with eternity in mind. So these are some questions we can ask of ourselves. It's, if, if to serve Jesus is to follow Jesus, and if to follow Jesus is to serve others because he came to serve others, Am I following Jesus in my relationships by serving others who I'm in a relationship with? Am I serving those who I have relationships with? Am I serving my spouse? Am I serving my children? Am I serving my neighbors? Am I serving my coworkers? Am I serving those who serve me in my life through various aspects of my day? Am I serving those I would just come across in my community? Am I following Jesus in my thoughts and my speech? Am I following Jesus in my stewardship of my time and my money? Am I following Jesus in the patterns of my life? Do I have an overarching service uh, mindset towards others? Because when we follow God and serve Jesus, it leads us to a place of serving others. Two questions I think we can ask when we look at this this picture of a daily life of surrendering to Jesus. Uh, First one is this. Is there something God is calling me to die to so that I might reflect Christ more clearly in my daily life? If I'm supposed to die to my old ways and and, and live for Christ and live his ways and and try to follow him and pursue him, is there something God is calling me to die to so that I might reflect Christ more clearly in my life? Is there a habit or a practice in your life that you've continued since trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior that doesn't point people to him? Is there a, a, a practice or a habit of sin that you've tried to hold on to? This kind of leads us to the, the second question. Is there some habit of my daily life that I am fighting to keep alive that God has sentenced to death? Is there some habit of my daily life that I am fighting to keep alive that God has sentenced to death? To serve Jesus is to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to serve others. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, when we surrender our lives, we surrender our daily lives to Jesus, saying, make this what, what you want to be, Jesus. Help me to serve you and, and to put your desires first, to put your passion first, to put your will first, that we would keep our life for eternal 
that would bear eternal fruit through Jesus. Do we surrender our daily lives to Jesus that bears eternal fruit through Jesus? Second thought here, a life in Jesus engages in the mission of Jesus. A life in Jesus engages in the mission of Jesus. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, Jesus said. And, and we see very clearly stating one aspect of, of why Jesus came. We could make a couple different points as to why he came, but we see one here in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, again, you see that same uh, term he's using in reference to himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so then we trust in him as that ransom, as, as that that. that uh, sacrifice that paid the price for our mistakes and then he calls us to live a different kind of life he calls us to live a life that is secure our eternity is secure and so then we live a life that bears fruit in the eternity of others by pointing them back to jesus and, and this is a life of freedom but it's freedom with a purpose we see this in galatians chapter 5 verse 13 for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So a question we can ask ourselves is, in what ways am I engaging in the mission of Jesus in the rhythms of daily life? In what ways am I engaging in the mission of Jesus in the rhythms of my daily life? You know, as we look to be healthier in our spiritual journey, one thing we need to acknowledge is that health is a moving target. Um, we had a, a leadership meeting here yesterday, and I, I laid out this concept of, of health being a, a moving target because uh, two perspectives. On one hand, you can make an argument that there's always a next step. There's always another way we could tweak things to be a little healthier, whether you're looking at your diet or your, your, you know, your, your mobility and exercise or how you use different things in your life, uh, uh, you know, using your finances, using your time, uh, using your talents. There's probably always some steps we could take to be a little healthier. But then the second we stop pursuing health, it's almost like health kind of runs away, right? If we stop eating right, if we stop exercising, we stop doing things that we know are good for us, health kind of moves away. So it's, it's, it's this moving target. So on one hand, it's something we should always be pursuing. And the reason I share this is when I think about engaging in the mission of God, when I think about service, and I think about Meadowland, man, this is something that you guys do so well. This is something that you do so well. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you know some people here at Meadowland, my guess is that you probably have a story you could tell where, where you were shown love by the way someone here served you in your, in your life. Because this is something that I see you doing so well. But just because it's done well doesn't mean there aren't continuing steps we can take towards health. And so if you've been listening and you feel like, yeah, I'm with you, Steve. You've got to be engaging in the mission of God. Uh, I'm with you. I feel like we've been doing that. Man, let this morning just be an encouragement to you. An encouragement to press on in that. To continue to serve and, and, and to care for others by serving you. By follow, to follow Jesus by serving you. But I think there's also something for some of us where this is maybe a, a newer concept. You know, there was a concept in, in church put out there by Ed Stetris, again, something we talked about uh, yesterday morning, uh, called customer versus co-worker. And, and when everyone first comes into a church community, uh, in one sense, we all, you could say we all come in as a customer. We all come in looking for a place to connect, <coughs> looking for a place to belong. If you're a follower of Jesus, you, you probably already have a mindset that, hey, one of the things we're called to as followers of Jesus is to be doing life together, to be doing life in community. And so you're, you're looking for some of those connections. 
And at some point, you take this transition where we go from a customer looking to, to consume and receive to where you're a coworker. We say, okay, this is my family. This is, this is the body. This is the local body of Christ that I'm a, a part of and engaged in, in, in ministry with. And that changes your perspective on things. A customer would see an issue and say, you should get that fixed. A coworker sees an issue and says, how can we get that fixed? They put themselves in, in the midst of that. It's this picture of someone's a lot less likely to rock the boat if they're the one rowing the boat. If they're the one in the boat, they're a lot less likely to rock it. But for those who, who aren't followers of Jesus, I, I would invite you to take that step from customer to coworker. And, and on one hand, yes, uh, we're focused on a life in Christ. And so if you've not trusted in Jesus yet, I would encourage you to begin there. I would encourage you to ask yourself, why haven't you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What gets in the way of, of taking that step? What questions do you have? And then let's engage each other and ask those questions. We're not afraid of questions here at Meadowland, even if we don't know the answers. And there's plenty that we don't. But we're willing to walk together as we pursue Jesus to find answers to those questions. And so if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've been coming for a while and, and you've been sitting in that customer position, and that's okay, we're glad you're here. We, we just pray that you are, are blessed and fed by your time here and, and encouraged in your time with others. But I want to invite you into a place where you begin taking these steps of becoming a coworker. Because I think when we take those steps, there's a health that, that grows in that, those situations. That there's a life that stirs up in us. There's a work that God does in us when we take the step of serving others. And so I would invite you to take that challenge to serve others. Here's some different ways that, that, that you can do that here. At Meadowland, there's all kinds of ministry teams that we have that are led by volunteers and, and, and fully staffed by volunteers. Uh, some that we're, we're looking to expand on right now, you know, our worship team. If you have abilities in, in, in with instruments or singing, uh, we'd love to help walk you through that process of, of being able to be part of the worship team. Uh, 412 Youth Ministry for our junior hires and senior hires. We're looking to pull on some more uh, volunteers. And, and you may say, Steve, I, I don't know the, the first thing about how, how to walk in with, with a student and how to raise them up in, in their faith. And the good news is we'll teach you. The good news is, is we'll walk with you. Now, we're not just going to throw you to the wolves, and that's probably an accurate picture when we're talking about youth ministry. Um, we'll walk with you in that. If you're just willing to be available to serve someone else, that then you're ready to jump in and serve in these capacities. Our cleaning team. Want to put together uh, people who will be showing up on, on a regular basis to be uh, help, helping just keep this place looking clean. Uh, and think about it. This is, this is one of those, it's a difficult job because uh, um, if it's done well, no one notices, right? But when it's not done, I was like, oh, wow. When was the last time that was done, you know? And so we'd love to, to, to build that team as well. Vacation Bible School, we've heard about that. This has always been an all-hands-on-deck kind of event for us. And, and if you're just trying to figure out where, you know, how, how could I serve? There are so many different aspects in which you could serve at VBS. Whether it just be bringing food on one night to, to bless the, those who are volunteering, those who have given up their night, uh, who are away from their families and away from their dinner tables, that you provide a meal for them. Or maybe you volunteer to help with games and, and uh, can run around and, and help kids burn some energy and have fun with them and that. And again, we can help train in any capacity, anything you don't know how to do. Uh, that the first step is saying, hey, I, I want to help serve others. We'd love to walk with you in that journey.
Something else we do here at Meadowland are for the good of events. We have events where we corporately gather together to go and, and, and serve our community. Uh, one of the next ones we have coming up uh, is 4th of July in Spring Grove. We're actually looking for someone to help take, take the, the, the helm of leadership on this one, um, even just additional volunteers. So if, if you live in or near Spring Grove or just have a heart for the people of Spring Grove, uh, we're going to be volunteering on the 4th of July to, to man a, a parking lot. And then you'll have time afterwards to still join up with your family and friends to, to catch the fireworks show. Uh, they'll have a, a gap between when they shut down the parking lots before they start the show. And it's, just a, it's a simple way just to serve our community together. And so if you're interested in that, again, I direct you to communication cards. And we have, uh, we'll have a backpack drive coming up in, in, in the fall or leading into the fall. All these other uh, neat events, but that's the next one we have coming up uh, soonish. Even beyond Meadowland, how are we serving in our community? There's, there's ministries out there like First Way uh, and the Johnsburg Depot that we served last Mother's Day. And again, this just emphasizes the point, Madeline. I should have put the pictures up here, and I apologize I didn't. But the stack of toilet paper and the stack of formula and wipes that were donated were such a blessing to those ministries. And, and so we can give that way. We can serve in other ways by giving of our time as well. And so how are you serving in the community? How are we serving every day? Join with me in engaging in the mission of God to bring others to Jesus. I, I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with a humble reminder that God is the one who works uh, in and through our serving. So as we serve, as we submit ourselves to Jesus, as we say, Jesus, I want to follow you and so I'm going to serve others, it is God who works in and through that work. It is God who takes our offering and makes that fruit that will, will give eternal life as it points people to Jesus. And when they trust in him, they find eternal life. And so just for us to be in this place of humility as we go out and serve is an important stance to start from. And so I'm going to play a video for you. It's a liturgy before taking the stage. Uh, a liturgy is... Uh, think of it as a, a verbal resource, a verbal tool um, that helps us kind of turn our focus towards Jesus. It's someone else's prayer that's been written down. Uh, a, a traditional liturgy is a call and response. We have a leader who starts, and then uh, the, the group, the corporate group who's with them would, would reply back, and it's, it's written out. Uh, sometimes it's just something we can use individually. Um, but this is, this is a liturgy that uh, someone wrote uh, before they would take the stage. And it's, it's, it's led by uh, Andrew Peterson. Uh, and he is a, a touring musician. He says, hey, we, we recite this almost every time before we go out on the stage. And, and it's just this reminder of who is working. So you're going to hear in a, a few of the words he uses has this mindset of, of taking the stage. But I offer this to you, I offer this to each one of us, as a reminder before we go out and take the stage of our day. Before we go out and begin our day, let's start with this stance of remembering that it is God who works in and through. Let's watch this. What have I to offer here that might sustain the souls of others? Alone I have little more to show beneath the scrutiny of lights than my own pride and insecurity, my craving for praise and my fear of rejection. Rather, let me offer something greater in this place of Christ. As I step onto this stage, meet me amidst the wreckage of my ego and my woundedness, and through me give what I alone cannot. I offer you all that I have, my talents, my training, the years spent honing and crafting and creating, my passions, my personality, my history, the many sacrifices I and others have made in order for me to be here. I give you even my brokenness, 
of which I am also a steward. I offer now these incomplete and insufficient provisions, remembering how you, in your days among us, twice blessed inadequate offerings, fashioning them into miraculous feasts that would sustain crowds in their hard journeys. I pray that you would likewise receive and bless and multiply my own meager gifts, Jesus, for the benefit of all who have gathered here. Let these humble elements in your hands become a true nourishment for those who hunger for you. And for those who have not yet wakened to their deepest hungers, let my brief service to them be like the opening of a window through which the breezes of a far country might blow, stirring eternal longings to life. Take this tiny heap of my talents and my brokenness alike, this jumble of what is best and worst in me, and meld it to the greater work of your spirit, using each facet as you will, so that even as sunlight coursing through a cracked prism, your grace might somehow be revealed upon this stage in whatever gloried and peculiar patterns you have fashioned me to display. Amen. When we serve others, we start backtrack. When we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, our eternity is now secure in him. And when we engage in the mission of God, when we engage in serving others, God works in and through that to point others to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, their eternity is secure when they trust in him as well. So let's remember that. Let's be encouraged by that. That through serving others, we can make much of Jesus. Through serving others, we can make him known. Through serving others on a daily basis, God will bear eternal fruit. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are the Son of Man and the Son of God. We thank you that you are King, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you did lay down your life for us, so that when we trust in you, we are forgiven of our sins, and we can live a life engaging in your mission. Father God, I pray that you would uh, do a couple things here this morning. One, that you would encourage us in the ways that we are already serving. That you would help us to see how, how whether it's large or small ways uh, that we're giving of our time and that we're serving others, help us to see how that uh, makes much of your name. In any ways in which we're living that don't, Father, help us to, to push that aside, to die to self, but to live for you. Encourage us in that. And Father, I also ask that you would help us to see how you use our service uh, to point others back to you. That we could see that eternal fruit in the lives of others. And as others like these Greeks come and they want to see you, Jesus, I pray that through our service there be people in our lives that say, hey, can you take us to see Jesus? And in those moments, give us the words to speak. Give us the action and the ways to serve that would make much of you and draw people to you. I pray this all in your name.